We hope today's message will encourage you and strengthen you with God's Word. We are certainly living in a world that is constantly changing, but God's Word will always be true. The Bible tells us that God is unchanging and will always be all-knowing, all-powerful, the Creator and Sustainer of life. God's Word is truth and life, and we are thankful for the opportunity to share His Word with you each week. This sermon was recorded at Rolling Fork Baptist Church in Nelson County. You can find out more information by visiting rollingforkbc.com or find us on Facebook, listed as Rolling Fork Baptist Church of Boston, Kentucky. And now, let's listen in to this week's message. Perhaps you are wondering why I brought a shredder to the church. You may be asking yourself, why does he have a shredder? I said, you may be asking yourself. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Why? Yes. Well, in the last few weeks, we've talked about various uh, characters in the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, and we talked about uh, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They knew what God said, but yet they chose to do otherwise, so they rebelled against God. And my question to you is this morning, we don't want rebellion in our church, right? Is that right? So since we don't want that in our church, we're going to get rid of that right now. That got your attention, didn't it? Nolan's like, what is that noise? Then you had Cain and Abel. Cain's offering did not please God. Abel's did. And because of that, Cain was very jealous. And the jealousy led to murder. Now, obviously, we don't want jealousy in our church either, right? So we're going to get rid of that. After we talked about Noah, we talked about the people at the Tower of Babel. And they had unity, but they didn't have obedience. And we said in that message that unity by itself is not enough, that you have to have unity and you have to have obedience. Now, as far as the unity is con- concerned, we have to make sure that we have unity and not division. Okay? And, and division is what God does not want us to have. Jesus prayed in John 17 that he prayed that we would be one just as the Father and he are one so that the world may know that he sent him. So we don't want division in our church, right? Right? Okay, we don't want that in our church. All right. The other thing that they did that was wrong, they were filled with pride. They were all about themselves. And we talked about pride in two different ways. You can have a group pride where everybody is in unified, unified together and they have this pride about them that they're better than everybody else. Or you can have an individual pride where that person thinks that that person is better than everybody else. But we don't want pride in our church, right? No, we don't want that either. As we come back to the building today, and it is a special moment, okay, we want to make sure that we are focused upon Jesus Christ and Him only. And as we look in our our message today, as we see what uh, Abram does in this passage of Scripture, we want to make sure that we don't allow any distraction to come in and take our focus off of God and what He's doing and what He wants us to do in obedience to Him, right? So we don't want any distractions, right? Okay, so we're going to get rid of that also. 
Now, I actually have one more, but I'm going to save it till later. I want you to join me, if you would, in Genesis chapter 12. And we're introduced to a new person today. His name is Abram. Later on, we'll know him as Abraham. But in this particular passage, he's known as Abram. In fact, he's actually introduced in the last part of chapter 11 when it talks about uh, who his dad was and who his brothers are and, and uh, who he married, which is Sarah, and uh, talks about how that uh, he and his wife were unable to have children at this point. Uh, it talks about how they were living in the land and as you read those verses, we see no communication, if you will, between God and Abram until this particular point. In verse 12, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So join me in prayer, and let's break this passage down this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather, and we thank you for everyone that's here. May you speak to our hearts, and may we be what you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one in your sheet this morning. Number one in your sheet, before God begins to tell Abram what he will do for Abram and through Abram, he began this discussion with the command, Go. Before he says what he's going to do, he begins with the command, and that command is to go. Now, he does not tell him where he's going. In fact, he even says in that verse, to the land that I will show you. You will see that he is to leave his country, his kindred, his father's house. So all of these things that he's familiar with, he is to leave that and go to a place that he's not yet familiar with. And in order to do that, you have to have trust. This is why the Apostle Paul said that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. That we trust God. And like these people, Abram and his family, we must go forward also. Too many people are living in the past or living in the, the what ifs and the how comes instead of living in the what now and what, Lord, what do you want us to do, Lord? And we, nest, we need to look forward also. When you look at the next verse and you see how all this is coming together. You keep seeing the word, I will. Number two in your sheet, the bulk of today's passage centers around two words, I will. And I want you to notice that in this passage, God tells Abram to go. And that's all he says as far as Abram. Abram, you go. You obey me. But I am going to do all of these things for you. And it's I will, I will, I will over and over again. And as we look through here, we've already seen one of them. Number one, under that uh, I will, write down the word guidance. The phrase there is, to the land that I will show you. We need to trust God. We need to, to walk by faith and to know that He will show us where we are to be going. He will show us what the next step is. He will show us what the next plan is. He will show us what the next victory is. The second word that I want you to consider this morning is the word vessel. 
vessel. He says, I will make you a great nation. God was going to use Abram in a very powerful way, unlike anybody else that he had used. He said, you'll be a father of many nations. And this was a question to him because he, he doesn't have any kids yet. He's like, well, how can I be a father of many nations if I have no child yet? But God took care of that as well. The third word that I want you to consider here is the word promotion. He says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then in verse 3, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Promotion as far as God had lifted him up. We talked about pride earlier with the, the people at the Tower of Babel. The Bible tells us in several places that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so here we see a situation where God has chosen someone, and it's an, an unlikely character when you think about he's not a father of any children yet, but he's going to be called a father of many nations. And he's getting up in age, but yet God says, I'll take care of all that. You just trust me. And so God promoted him. The fourth word is the word favor, that God was showing favor on him. And we see in different places in the Bible where God showed favor, whether it be to Mary or somebody else, where that God was saying, I have chosen you for this task. He says in this verse here, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. Anybody who blesses you, I will bless and show favor to. But to those who dishonor you, I will curse. Number five there, write down the word protection. Not only was God providing him and using him as a vessel, not only did he promote him and show favor to him, but he was also protecting him from those who dishonored him. So in verse four, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all the possessions that they had gathered and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land in the place called Shechem, or the place at Shechem, at the Oak of Merah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. And I want you to look at that phrase for a moment. To your offspring, this land that you're in right now, even though the Canaanites are living here right now, the day will come that this will be your land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. On the map that I've given you this morning, I want you to notice on the right side of the map that they left that side of the land. And look how far they traveled. And I want you to notice that where they are originally is what we know as uh, later on in the area of uh, Babylon and everything else in that area. They go up to Iran. They travel down. And then you see where they ended there between Bethel and Ai. And that particular place is what is known as modern day Israel. Now, he takes them there. 
And it's filled with all the Canaanites, but God says, one day I'm giving you this land. Now, thankfully, for his sake, he didn't do what Joseph did with the coat of many colors, and one day you're going to bow down to me. Can you imagine if Abram was walking up down the street saying, hey, you jacks, listen here, one day you guys are going to be bowing. This is going to be our land. We're going to kick you all out of the place. Right? He didn't do that, thankfully. But it was, it was a, uh, the Canaanites were living there, and God says to your offspring, I will give you this. Verse 8. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Number three on your sheet, I want you to notice the two altars that are mentioned here. The two altars. One that he built in uh, verse 7, one that he built in verse 8. Prior to this passage of Scripture, we've only seen one case where somebody built an altar, and that was Noah. We don't know how the offerings were given back in Cain and Abel's day, but we do know that Noah built an, ark, I mean a, a, an altar there in Genesis chapter 8. This idea of an altar... To give you a visual understanding, think of the word slay, to slay an animal and offer it to God. When they did that, the animal had to be without blemish. It couldn't be one that you didn't want because that didn't have any value. It had to be one of the firstborn. It had to be something of good value, something that was perfect that you brought before God and showed God how much you wanted His forgiveness. Often these altars were built out of stones in their natural condition. They, they weren't uh, chiseled and made pretty, whatever. They just used them as they were. And these altars were placed in a conspicuous place so that they weren't hidden. That's your blanks there on letter C. So that they weren't hidden. These, these blanks were not hidden from the people. In fact, they wanted people to see them. They wanted people to know that uh, they, they worshiped their God. They wanted people to ask the question, why are those stones stacked there? In fact, that's what happens in Joshua chapter 4. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God and into the midst of the Jordan, and take up on you a stone upon a shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordans were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Now in the church today... Some people call the table in front of me the altar. Some people say the entire area up here is the altar. In a sense, the entire building is an altar. Because, in letter D, these altars were often built where God's presence or His power had been experienced. These altars were built where God's presence 
or his power had been experienced. This is a, a special place in the fact of why we have this building. It is not any different than any building as far as it has wood, it has plaster, it has bricks, it has glass. But materials is not what we're talking about. It's the purpose of this building. And we come here to worship our God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So the altars were built for that reason. Letter E, they were built for worship and sacrifice. These altars were built for worship and sacrifice. These are two important roles that we have in our communication and our adoration of God and Jesus Christ. That we are to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we are to sacrifice unto Him. And letter F, because they were strict instructions about these altars, they were considered holy. They were considered holy. When you think about what Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 36, and at that time of the offering of obligation, or oblation, I'm sorry, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and you have turned their hearts back. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood, and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Ladies and gentlemen, this building that we're in right now represents that, where we come together and we worship and we sacrifice unto God, that we show Him our need, we show Him our love and our devotion. But please understand Letter G, that these altars were not to be worshipped. These altars were not to be worshipped. And that's the, the final sheet that I have for you this morning. We do not worship this building. We do not worship anything other than God Himself, for that is idolatry. And God is very clear that you should have no image before me, you should have no God before me, and so forth. And so we must destroy any form of idolatry. And make sure that we are focused on Him and Him alone. That when we come together, it's not about what I like and don't like and what I want to see and don't want to see. It's what does God want to see. And God wants to see us come to Him in a spirit that is true and honest and a spirit that is broken before Him and that a spirit that recognizes our need for the Savior. Amen. So I ask you this morning, are you ready to move forward? When you think about the history of this church, it started in 1788, and all the stuff that it's been through in over 200 years, and yet, my God is real. He's real in my soul. Listen, we have got to say, okay, Lord, we are past all of the stuff behind us. 
We are looking at the moment right now, and we are determined to go forth in faith, whatever it is that you have before us. The time that we had online church only, that's over now. The drive-in church, we've passed that. The other complications that we've had, they are also resolved. The mold is gone. The leak is fixed. The heater is really working. It's like, oh my. I mean, the fact of the matter is that God is still on His throne. He says, I will provide, I will guide, I will protect, and I will give you what you are to have if you just trust me. So this morning as we come to a close and we prepare for this song, as we sing this song, I want you to ask yourself this morning, where do you stand with God right now? Are you trusting Him? Are you depending upon Him? Or are you depending upon yourself? Are you depending upon your own resources, your own talents, your own uh, things around you? Or are you saying, God, without you I can do nothing? I'm asking you this morning, to make sure that you are in right standing with Him. That if there's anything there that needs to be repented of, that you would ask God to forgive you, that as you leave this place, you can know that you've been in the presence of God, because we've had His Word, which is His presence. We've had His, His songs that talk about His presence. And we say, Lord, I know that You are real. Heavenly Father, help us this morning to respond to your word. May we be like Abram, that we will go forth as he did. Even though you gave him no details, he stepped out in faith. In fact, we call him the father of faith. Father, that you would help us to make sure that we don't have any of these situations in our heart right now that would cause us to be distracted from seeing what you are doing in us, through us, and around us. Father, help us this day. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing.